Welcome, everybody, to Horrible Horror, the podcast where we watch the worst of the worst in horror movies. Movies so bad, they're scary. I'm your host, Marshall Hampton. With me to my left here is my co-host, Mr. Aaron Southworth. And joining us today on a very special uh, interview segment here is the bearded wonder himself, the man, the myth, the writer, the director, the producer, and actor of Pool Party Massacre, Mr. Drew Marvick. Drew, how are you doing this fine, fine day? Hello, I'm doing awesome. How are you guys? We're great. great. Now that we had our little audio technical problems out of the way, I should have have said that. Yeah, no, no one else know. knew that. Except no one knew that, but oh yeah. well. <laughs> I, you know, I'm I, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. forget I said anything. Uh, so yes, you again. First of all, first off, thank you for jo- taking the time out. Yeah, really appreciate to join it. Thank us. you. Especially since you live in Mister in Vegas, the entertainment capital, you can be doing anything right now except sitting here with these us two schmucks. So <laughs> I mean, thank you. Um, Normally, we would talk about Pool Party Massacre first, but we're going to mix things up today. Today, right. we're going to talk about, we're going to lead off to Pool Party Massacre. So, we kind of want to start with, like, just get to know you as a filmmaker, as a person. Um, first, starting off, what was the very first, what's your first memory of horror movies? What was, like, the first horror movie you remember seeing that really kind of made an impact or, or implanted in, on your brain? <laughs> well, I'm, my mom is a horror fan especially was not so much anymore but so i felt like there were always horror movies being played in our house not necessarily for me as a child to be watching but uh probably my most vivid memory or the one that stands out as being like what helped shape me as a horror fan was uh watching texas chainsaw massacre 2 oh two when, <laughs> yes which is still like one of my favorite movies ever made but it was when it was a new release. I was visiting family in Ohio in Cleveland, and we were staying with my mom's aunt and her next door neighbor happened to have kids. And my mom's the type of mom that was like, "Look, there's a child that's a similar age as you. You need to be friends with them." So she knocked on the door, said, "This is my son. You have children here," and kind of just <laughs> pushed me into this stranger's house. And I ended up playing street hockey with them all day. And then they invited me for a sleepover, which would never happen now. But my mom said, sure. Sure, strangers. My son (laughs) can stay at your house. So we piled in their station wagon, went to the local video store, and each kid, they had four kids, got to pick out a video. And the oldest brother picked Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And we all sat on the lay on the floor in their living room watching movies. And the last movie was Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And right after they put it in and hit play, and it was getting through the trailers, I looked around and everyone else was asleep. Oh. <laughs> Except me. So I was alone. I was alone in a house I'd never been in before that day with people I'd never seen before that day. And then the intro to part two comes on on that bridge. And I was just, it scarred me for life. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty intense uh, situation there. You're with a whole bunch of strangers. Everyone's asleep and you're watching that. It's it's one of my favorites too. But that opening scene, where he's got the dead body kind of bouncing back and forth, yeah. and dancing with it. I mean, it's 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 pretty intense. I can imagine. How old it, were you when this happened? I was probably nine. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing like Friday Thirteenth movies about eight, nine, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, bits, like kind of bits and pieces. I remember my first memory was I think Friday Thirteenth. Three. It was kind of near the. I had a baby. Look, I had a babysitter over, yeah. and I was watching like all over her shoulder. And I remember just it was like the scene with Jason like coming out of the barn, and then like it was the end of the movie. Yeah, right, and they get the whole van thing. It was the end, but it, that's one of my first memories. Yeah, my actually I think was Friday Thirteenth Part Six. I think when uh, 
the part that really stuck out of my mind are the people banging in the RV. I'm more of a pervert than I guess a horror <laughs> fan. But, yeah, that would be mine. <laughs> well, that's six, or are we talking five here? Yeah, we're we talking five. about the uh, 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 demon, the black, the black no, couple no, no, in the no. band? No, 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 it wasn't demon. It wasn't those enchiladas. It wasn't demon, okay. All right. Um, all right, anyway. So, so you said your mom watched horror movies, though. Yes, that's interesting. She did. I mean, she has all these stories of seeing you know, Hitchcock movies in the theater and going to see horror movies in the fifties and sixties. And then even, you know, as I got a little older than nine and 10 and we would watch movies a lot together, she would introduce me to movies. She, she was a, I mean, she's a big fan of movies, but I think she also just likes um, having them. So she would, we had a double VCR set up. And so she would rent movies and dub them. Yes. And, and so we had a, wall, a gigantic wall unit full of VHS tapes with three or four movies on each tape. So she would just she would go to the video store every Tuesday and rent five movies and then spend the week recording them. And then we could watch them whenever we wanted. My family, so, yeah, we did the same thing. Yeah, I miss those days, man. There was something nice, like some nostalgic, I guess, about just having that wall of VHS <laughs> with, yeah, like multiple. And he had like what slow play, super long play, and like long, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> I remember all those. Um, so, are you uh, just saying you were you were visiting family? And like, uh, are you from the Midwest originally, and then moved out to Vegas for, I guess, uh, to pursue this, or were you just how do you no. My mom's family is my mom's from Ohio. She's okay. from the Midwest. So, but I, I was born and raised in Southern California. Okay. And then moved out to Vegas to go to college, and then here, here I am. Man, again, I can't imagine going to college in Vegas. There's so many distractions, so many party opportunities there. How'd you make it through that? <laughs> it's you know, it's funny. It's there's plenty. I mean, obviously, it's, everyone knows about Vegas and Sin City, and there's a lot to do. But when you're 18 or 19, there isn't that much to do it's mm-hmm. actually kind of a kind of a void because you're not old enough to be in the casinos you're that not old sense. enough to gamble or drink and it's and it's kind of a commuter school there isn't really like a campus life because a lot of the students work on the strip a lot of them are are 21 and they have jobs and so it was a weird weird time it's the only school i went to so it's the only thing i know <laughs> i like my basis of comparison is visiting friends at like much cooler schools around the world <laughs> but uh I mean, I just spent a lot of time watching movies and drinking beer, drinking like Pete's Wicked Ale in my <laughs> in my apartment by myself and watching horror movies. So I think that's what's not that bad. I yeah, can't well, be honest. No, I, I mean, I would uh, love to do that now. Yeah. Uh, speaking, of, uh, like, uh, I'm sorry, I'm stumbling here. Was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre two was the first one that you said you remember seeing that really implanted you? But what movie was it? If it was that, wasn't that one that made you decide, hey? This is something I want to pursue. I want to make my own movies. What you know? I'm, yeah. What I'm, what kind of you I'm know, going for it? Open the door for indie filmmaking. Was it uh, just the college or when you went to school? Were you like, I want to do this, or what kind of like you know, I, sparked it? I I wish you know so many other filmmakers have these really fun stories of like a trip to the theater that inspired them in this one particular movie, and then they can you know that was the catalyst. I don't really have that. I always was fascinated by movies. I wanted to make movies. We had a giant camcorder that I would like make home movies on with my action figures, and I would recruit the neighbors' kids and and make just ridiculous short films. Yeah, yeah. I kind of did that. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm sure most of the most of us that are you know cinephiles now did that. So I did all those things, and even in high school, I went to night school to learn how to edit. I went to video television production classes, but I still 
didn't think it was a career. It is comical now because I was an hour away from LA in Orange County, California, but I felt like I was too far away from Hollywood to ever actually work in Hollywood, which is what people <laughs> in the, on the East Coast and Midwest say they feel, but even me, I felt the same way. So I didn't think it was a, a, a career. So I just did it for fun and I wanted to make things with my friends and then I wanted to make skate videos in high school, so that's why I was taking the classes. But it didn't become a reality until much later after after college. I was managing nightclubs on the strip and just really wanted to get back into it and and that's that's when I did. I mean it's been fifteen years now, I think. Mm-hmm. Wow. Good run. Yeah. Pretty good run. Yeah. It was supposed to be I mean, we my wife still jokes with me that when I left when I left my job, we both were in the nightclub business and we decided to get real jobs. Like let's get a real <laughs> jobs and start family. This crazy hours is the unpredictability of this mm. business, you know. So she has an accounting degree. She got a really good job as an accountant, and then I said, "Well, I'm just going to work in film for like a summer, and then I'll get a real job." And that was 15 years ago, and I still <laughs> I still haven't gotten a real job. And hey, so every every now and then she says, "Are you going to get that? When's that real job going to happen?" Is she still an accountant? She's still an accountant. Yes, okay. she has been like growing her career and doing really well, and I'm still. You know, like occasionally selling my toys on eBay to pay for a short film. <laughs> uh, well, that actually kind of leads to my next question because uh, I kind of want, as I'm fascinated by the indie scene because it's so, I mean, it's so There's much fun. yourself. There's so much but, more fun, I think. Such a do it yourself yeah. uh, labor of love, if you will. So, kind of tell us about the indie filmmaking process. Like, you're talking about raising money. Like, how do you go about raising the money, getting the equipment, finding your crew and, your ca- and the cast and all that? What is all does it all entail to make a movie like let's pool party massacre or something else you've done yeah because i mean you had you know some pseudo names you had alexis davis which i had to do a lot of research on enjoyed that uh and also uh leanna vamp um who you know they're kind of i have questions about them later smaller you know they they actually have names you know so it's interesting to get them you know because most of the time you see the indie films and it's either friends or people who are just looking for work you know of course, and that's kind of how, I mean, other projects I've done do fall more into that category. And I think as far as prep goes, it just, it depends on the project. I'm fortunate enough that, like I said, I've worked in this business for 15 years now. I work as a commercial producer, so that's what I actually pay the bills with. I mean, making indie horror movies doesn't pay any any bills at all. So, so having having done it for so long i already know all all these people these are people that i hire and work with on a regular basis so when it comes time to make something for me that i want to do that's fun i can reach out to extremely talented people that are that i call my friends and and bring them in and you know in a way i also you know i give them work on a somewhat regular basis too so they're probably you know more likely to help me out <laughs> Than, right. than, than one of their other friends that doesn't. So right. because there's a pretty good chance I'm going to call them in a couple of weeks and with a paying gig too. So, so I mean, for me, it was a different situation as far as getting the crew. That was, that was the easy part. Um, talent, on the other hand, I, I, I just had to, you know, still use the resources that I had, but use my friends. And I was lucky enough that Leanna Vamp is a friend of mine. I had cast her in a project a couple years ago and we've been friends. So that was the same as if I had asked any of my friends. I mean, I called her and said, Hey, can I kill, can I kill you and your <laughs> husband? Can I kill you and Cameron in my movie, please? I'll pay for your, 
Yes, yes, they are. Yes, you guys were right. They are definitely married. Lucky bastard. And so, <laughs> well, yeah, so, yeah, I'm too. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, with them, I just flew them out and they stayed at my house. And we, you know, I had a day. They were they found a day in their schedule and came out. We shot that scene. I know you mentioned in the podcast the the whole movie is not at my house. Okay. Um, when I thank my wife for letting us destroy our house, it's because the end like third act in the bedroom with all the blood on the carpet and the bed. That's my bedroom ah. where we did the most damage. And then also that pool in the beginning where Leanna is, is my backyard. So, okay. so we just shot all that, that those scenes at my house. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, explain then more about like, like you said, now you, you've been doing it for 15 years. You have, you kind of have the process down. You, but when you made your first movie, that first, I'm going to make it my first movie, my first film. How did you go about getting the money and the equipment? And where do you, how do you pursue all that? What? Tell me more about the how to pers- make an indie movie from, well, from I, the very beginning. I mean, I still actually haven't gone through the process of trying to find money. Like my first short film, I I want to say we clocked in at about seventy three dollars total spent, and it's gone up a little bit from there. But even Pool Party Massacre, I decided not to raise money. I just to use what I had, which is why the budget was only six thousand dollars, because that's all I could manage to scrape up between my savings and my children's piggy banks, <laughs> and like and my partner Brian, who shot and edited the movie uh, with me, he, he he contributed as well. So between the two of us, just pulling from what what we had, uh, that's that's how we did it. But I mean, for the most part, you just kind of assemble a. You know, a, you just use your resources. I mean, some people will put ads on Craigslist or use Facebook to find to find crew or to find cast, and then Lord only knows there's a you know bunch of crowdfunding options to raise money. I just didn't want to do that for a couple reasons. Um, I, I you know, part of it is it, like with Pool Party it was my first feature. I didn't know it, how bad it would be, and I didn't <laughs> want to be on the hook. I didn't want anyone else to be responsible for it or to feel you know. I'd feel guilty. I probably still feel guilty even now. So <laughs> I just thought it'd be better to to make it. And actually, honestly, the original plan for the movie, uh, I wanted to make it for eleven dollars. Like that <laughs> was that was the plan. I don't know. It's like an arbitrary number. I don't even know where it came from on the day that I d- declared it. But I declared to to Brian that I asked him if he would shoot it. And then I said, we're making, I'm going to make it for $11. And <laughs> I explained to him how I could do that by calling in favors and casting only friends. Like, like you were just saying, like casting my friends, my wife could put on various wigs and play multiple roles. And <laughs> you know, we're going to make a movie for $11. You're going to see Brian. And then uh, we decided to hold uh, auditions to fill some of the roles. And I asked Brian to print scripts so that people would have a script when they got there. And he walked into the studio. We did auditions. He set down the FedEx Kinko's bag and handed me the receipt for $73 for all the printing. And I went, oh, crap. Way over, way over our $11 budget. Yeah, man. Printing at Kinko's in Office Max place is not cheap. I've had to do it myself for uh, some for plays I've had to direct yeah. them, just copy scripts. But, man. Um, on a side note, though, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this. We're going to step away from the movies for, just for a second. We got to talk about this marvelous beard of yours. <laughs> how long did it take you to grow that thing? And how does your wife respond? Does she like that? This, it's probably a little over a year like to grow it. I've had this for, I, I think it's going on seven years now. Wow. And I've, I've had the beard for about 10. 
when I first started growing it, I would grow it for a year and my wife hated it <laughs> and still does coincidentally. Um, so I sh- would, so I shaved it off for Val. It was about this long. I shaved it off for Valentine's day. It was like the best gift I could give her and it was free. So I did that for, I think it was about three or four years. I would grow the day after Valentine's. It would start, I start growing and then I would shave it for Valentine's. And then about seven, six, seven years ago, I got booked on a TV show. I was on a sci-fi network TV show uh, for a season and I couldn't shave because <laughs> yeah. it was middle, middle of shooting the show. And then afterwards we had like a soft green light for a second season. So they said, make sure you don't shave. <laughs> And then, so then it went on. So now suddenly Valentine's came and went and that like broke the seal. So now I've just kept it despite the fact that my wife hates it. And now there's, and there's always a a reason like now there's pool party massacre too. So I can't, can't shave it. Or there's another film or other projects that other people have cast me in. So, well, you just said something very exciting that I heard that there apparently there is going to be a pool party massacre too. So there is, that's awesome. Yeah. So Blaine's back, huh? (laughs) Yes, they're they're de- well, I shouldn't say definitely because God, I you know I could die tomorrow. But <laughs> there there are plans. I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle of writing the script. Um, it's already been. It's fully outlined, and um, I've got a bunch of people that are excited to be a part of it. So yeah, that's so, yeah. that's awesome. That's fantastic. I mean, we um you know we we run our Instagram, and I kind of check that out, and I know it's a lot of people like when the first movie first came out. A lot of our followers, a lot of horror people, you know, are always posting pool party massacre. It's awesome. Pool party massacre. It's awesome. So we just kind of talked about it. I, was like, I guess we got, I guess we got to check it out. And uh, that's, but it, it had a lot of buzz when it first came out. It was uh, pretty impressive. It it did. It was mind boggling to be honest. I mean, I didn't know. I've been doing everything myself, completely, hundred percent self distributed, and all all of it. I ma- I manage the web store. I pack every single order and put every postage on it. I mean, I'm the one, you know, I got it on Amazon and iTunes and I mean, with the help of uh, Brian, since he's more on the technical side. So he helped with those things, but, but pretty much everything else is, is me. So I didn't know how it would work. I, you know, I launched the store and I manage all the social media myself. Mm So, you know, when I launched it, I have expected to be sitting at this vision of me sitting on my computer, like waiting for the first sale and it just never, never happening. But luckily, you know, it, it did. I, I think it was a combination of just the name. People knew what they were going to get. Right. Which is one of the reasons why I kept the title that. And then also the amazing, like, key art from Mark Schoenbach is really what did yeah. that. It's yeah, great. The, the, po- our po- the poster is great. Yeah, it's really good. I love the eyeballs and the, the Mai Tai glass or whatever. Yeah, that tropical drink. It's fantastic it's really good so you say you kept the title was there um at one point a different title you had, you were thinking about for for the movie i never had another title but i in the beginning i kept referring to it as pool party massacre or i'll get a better name later uh. like that seemed, seemed to be what i would what, the way i would describe it to people when i like when talking to potential cast members i would say well right now it's called pool party massacre until i find a better name and then well, I, it just never I'm glad, I'm glad you never strived for greatness on that one. I love the name. I think it's perfect. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. I love it. Yeah, because it's it's you you're, you know what you're getting. You know. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's uh, why I kept it that way. I it got to a point where I said, you know what, this I would know exactly what I was getting if I was picked up a copy of Pool Party Massacre, and I want other people right. to know what what they're getting into. And there's a certain 
you know, there's a certain group of people like myself that want to watch a movie called Pool Party Massacre. I mean, right. I, I seek those movies out. So I thought, and it'll probably appeal to those people if, since I'm the one that's making it and that's where I come from. <laughs> so yeah, so it only made sense to, to keep it that way. And plus, I felt like no one could be mad at me for the, some of the things that they are actually mad at me for. But in my <laughs> mind, I was like, yeah, who in their right mind could watch a $6,000 movie called Pool Party Massacre and then tell me that the writing is subpar or that the acting is subpar? Right. I mean, come on. That's exactly what you're getting. So, But unfortunately, I still daily get called out on those things. Ah, <laughs> uh, so people are throwing shade on you, huh? That's, that's oh, unfortunate. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's, so it's expected. Speaking of that, again, you talked about, okay, you were friends with Leanne Van. That was one of my questions, how you got her involved. Um, but if we're going through the casting process, how do you go about getting Alexis Adams? Like, you get a porn a porn actress in a movie that, you right. know, is basically all, everybody else is all um, relatively new for, for to... Uh, well, I'm guessing these are people you worked with before, like you said earlier. Yes, exactly. So we held auditions, and every, I mean, I think pretty much everyone that came in, minus a couple people that were friends that weren't actors I, I think there's only one person two people in the movie chet the pizza guy isn't is just a good friend of mine uh who owns a video store so i had to get him in nice. but everyone else <laughs> everyone else is a local actor here in vegas and a lot of them i've worked with on commercial projects and and booked them on other things so so i knew to bring to reach out to them and then with alexis it was just kind of luck i i knew i wanted to be you know somewhat sensitive when casting that role, because I knew that of the nudity and the implied implied sex even. But so I, there were a lot of people I had in mind that I would love to have cast that I knew wouldn't do it, mm. that, that are local actresses. And so I knew I needed a certain person, but I also needed someone that fit that those characters being like a Paris Hilton type socialite. And so a lot of the, the people that I knew that are actors, actors and actresses that would have done that role are covered in tattoos Right. And it just wouldn't have worked. I mean, if suddenly, we, if you had one character with them that walked in the door with full sleeves and pink hair and big stretched ears, like it would, she would stand out, and it wouldn't make sense. Right, right. Yeah, that's a good point. So, and then everyone would say, "Oh, now I get it. It's because she's the one that got naked." So, <laughs> I wanted someone to fit that look. And our makeup artist knew Alexis. She had done her makeup before. Oh, so okay. luckily, our makeup artist Katie Jacobs said, "You know what? There is a girl." that I know that I can reach out to for you. You might've heard of her and I had, I hadn't heard of her, but I quickly Googled her and I got to know her really well instantly. And <laughs> she was great. I mean, her look, she's beautiful, but she looks like a girl next door kind yeah. of. Yeah. She's really sweet and innocent looking, but can play a bitchy too. She did that really well and she's not covered in tattoos. And according to the, the internet, she has an amazing rack <laughs> which, which is a good thing too so uh so yeah so that really was just through a, a friend of a friend our makeup artist yeah. called her that like sent her a text. Yeah. yeah sent her a text that day and she was excited to do a straight acting role right. too it was funny because i was nervous when she came in for the for her audition i was kind of nervous because she she does have a big fan base and has done a lot of work and so I'm like, oh, I really hope we, you know, at that point I decided it had to be her, but, but I didn't let lead on to that. And then she came in and was nervous because she'd never done an audition like this before or been in a, in a real, a real movie. Right. So, 
so it worked out well. We were both happy that to that the other was a part of it. So that's great. Um, with that, I think let's get Aaron. Do you have more for? Well, I gotta say, she did play a great. She did a good job being bitchy. I think they all did. Well, honestly. I meant more about pool party massacre. Well, yeah, but, Alexis Adams. <laughs> no, but I'm just just kind of segueing into pool party massacre. I mean, when you the the girls were horrible. You wanted to see them all die. <laughs> oh, they were. They're oh, awful except, people. Of course, Nancy. She was the sweetheart. She's the one that you you know. But man, you knocked it out of the park with those gals because I hated them all. <laughs> yeah, and. That's good to hear because that was the that was the plan. I mean, some people probably think that wasn't, but but it was from the beginning. Like I I wanted them to be unlikable. I wanted you to not care about them um, for a couple reasons. One, I I I wanted people to wish them dead. Like I wanted people yeah. to be excited about their death, which yeah. I think I, I, I think that were. that part yeah that part was achieved. But I also wanted. I wanted in the end, I knew I knew where the movie was going, and so I wanted in the end for the killer to be the become the most liked character in my, you know, that was my plan. I right. don't know if it works for everyone, but in, my goal in setting all that up was to hopefully you would end up liking no, I, the I, killer. For us again, toy totally work because we loved like we raved about the ending on the yeah. show, and and I loved, yeah, I mean. The uh, last 20 Blaine, minutes or so. I always want to say Blair because Blair and Blaine, but yeah, lo- Blaine was awesome. Lo- can't love to see more of him, and the interaction with him and Blair at the end was this absolutely wonderful bit of writing. And yeah, because it was it was a lot of fun because watching the movie, you know, it's like okay, here's the kill, and there's stuff, the stuff that's working, there's stuff that's kind of okay. I'm, I'm I'm on board, but I'm like okay, where's what's going to happen? And then when you had the reveal. When she's just like, "What the hell, Blaine?" and you know the body falls off the the door onto her, and they start having this bicker back and forth between, like, from a brother and sister standpoint, and that was probably some of the best acting that, at that right that time. Your guys' chemistry was really good. It seemed like you were a brother or sister, like you know, just waiting to give her an Indian burn or something. You know, <laughs> you guys just seemed to be picking on each other, and that's when the movie like really took off. And I re- was like, I was like, "Yes, it was a good." Like reveal or swerve, I, I really, yeah, I, I, I guess really enjoyed that. I didn't see it coming. Like yeah. I didn't see that twist coming. Um, so it was great. So yeah, you did. You, you nailed it there with making Blaine the most likable character, at least in our opinion. Yeah, because I mean, it. I like a guy who has a wife and kid, but all of a sudden he takes a passion in murder. <laughs> <laughs> We're all so close to that. <laughs> <laughs> Just takes a couple bad days. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of like that, that final scene. Um, now maybe you can clarify something for me. Maybe I some I maybe I shouldn't have pointed it out, but I I, I did. Can you explain to me what I refer to as the magic bed in the uh, in the episode? Oh yes, of course, of course. So how so yeah, <laughs> I, so it is. It's not intended to be the same bed or the same room. So there's the room that's upstairs where they where they were killed in, and where Troy and Tiffany were killed. Yes, and then Blaine brought the bodies downstairs into the master bedroom, put her headless torso in the bed and set her bed, her head on the bed as well. So when Nancy later runs in and opens the door, their bodies aren't in there. It's a quick flash, but it's just blood all over the bed and the bed's messed up. So gotcha. they're, cause I knew that you'd said, I think maybe the bodies were actually still in there, which would have been extremely confusing yeah. if they were, <laughs> but no, it was, it's, and I think part of that might be the sheets are, the whole bedroom set is like a leopard print and everything is skin toned. And so it was a big lump of sheets and blankets. But now that I think about it in hindsight, they're kind of a, a leopard print skin, flesh colored 
bedding set covered in blood. So that's funny. That that could actually look like. All right. Well, then I thank you for clearing for that because I also thought that she was still handcuffed to the bed. Like she just they just magically moved the whole bed down there. But... <laughs> and she was. I did. I did end up like re cuffing her okay so i'm not insane there that, i was right that bed, no and so and there was a little more in the script that that talked about that there where she was where blair there was a couple more lines where blair implied that he was like when she, she even says like are you doing ah okay he yeah. stopped to my dead friends and no there was a couple more lines implying you know that he still was i kind of i kind of so, got it every marriage has problems so yeah great exactly line. Great, yeah. Line. great line so so that's that was why i took the time to the hand cover, but also the torso itself is was the mold was done because we knew that she was cuffed to the bed. So it, it's a full body cast of Alexis and, and, and is a head that cast. it behind you there? Oh, oh yeah, that's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's two two versions of it. So it's like from just below her thighs, like a little bit of just below her thighs up to her hands. But so the cast was done with her arms in that position. So. No matter what I did with it, when I brought it into the bedroom for the reveal, the arms would be up. So yeah. the only realistic <laughs> thing for me to do was either lay it flat and hide where all the seams were or put it back in a bed and yeah. recuff it and try to work with that in, in the script. So gotcha. so we did. And it's been you're, – you're not the only people. Other people have thought – wondered, like, wait, was she still up there or where did she go or, you know – so, things like that. I guess the other wonder, and I think you even mentioned this on our uh, Instagram or Facebook. Uh, so when Jasmine got killed with the gas-powered weed whacker, loved it, tore it apart. <laughs> we have we, we kind of pan towards the drain, and I just couldn't. T- it looked like it was a, an intentional pan to look at, like look at this. Oh yeah, the drain. This, this yeah. gruesome display of. I couldn't tell what it was. The tampon. Which you we were thinking the tampon, tampon but... and then maybe eyeballs or something. I don't know. But, yeah. I, I wish there was a tampon in there. I would love to be able to say, like, once you said, like, hey, you know, like the the weed whacker to the bush so hard that her tampon fell out. I'm like, that's brilliant. (laughs) Which I would have thought that. Um, I think what you feel free to use that. Well, you know, I am available (laughs) for consulting on your next film. (laughs) I I think what resembled a tampon was there were a couple severed fingers that Uh. I've gotten from our effects guy that I just taught willy nilly tossed into there at the end so it was a combination of there was a severed ear there's some fingers bunch of clumps of hair blood and water and then um i chunks i had no idea what it would really look like if somebody was weed whacker in the shower and and frankly a lot of people like to argue that there's no way to kill someone with a weed whacker that's been a common argument i beg to differ i feel like if you cut an artery or something you'd eventually hold it again yeah, you hold it against someone long enough, I guess eventually they're going to die. But that time could be like three hours. I'm not sure. But, but uh, so I, I just, that was my favorite kill. I loved it. Yeah, that's. I'm so glad to hear because I loved it. And that that shot. So it was just supposed to be some remains, little the chunks that would have flown off of her as she was fighting the weed whackers. Really, all it was uh, supposed to be. So there was some hair and bits, and then crushed, uh, mushed up strawberries because I had them in my fridge, and they kind of looked like. Hey, Flash. it worked. Man. Yeah, and the shot itself, it it wasn't a big reveal, but I just felt like we needed. I shot that like month. I shot that during post. Mm-hmm. I just felt like it needed a better segue from. So I thought, oh, let's just get a shot of the drain. So little, and that's a little, my a little cherry on top, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's that bathroom I have access to because it's my 
than five-year-old daughter's shower that that whole happened <laughs> So, yeah, and there's still blood on her ceiling, which she likes to bring up at the most inopportune times. <laughs> like when a parent is picking up their child from a play date. She'll say, Dad, I didn't even tell her that there was blood on the ceiling. <laughs> um, so I went in, we went in and shot that real quick. And in, and in my head also, it was um, kind of like the shower drain shot in Psycho. It, yeah. it was just, I need that. And I'm like, we just need that shot. But I can't do that shot because that would just right. be blatant rip-off. So I'm like, I'll do that shot, but I'll shove a bunch of crap in the drain and fill it with blood and make it gross because this movie is gross. Perfect. Yeah, I like I liked it. So another thing I had a question about the lady next door. What language is she speaking? <laughs> so I mean, there's a whole story with that too. But she is well. Geez, now I'm now I'm second guessing what actual language it is. But um, she's from Belgium. Okay. But I believe there was even discussion on set of how there are different dialects in Belgium <laughs> that are spoken. Um, but that character she was not in the original script script dora the crazy neighbor uh i was we were finished shoot we had like one or two days left of shooting pickup shots left so the whole movie was pretty much shot and i was a producer for a belgian tv show that was in las vegas filming they were here for like three weeks i was their local producer and while while they're prepping uh the show the show is called um 50 ways to kill your mom is the name of the show. Okay. And I believe it was a it was a very successful show in the UK. And sounds pretty awesome. This is like a yeah, and basically it's a, a, cele- a celebrity <laughs> It's a great I'm title. I know, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, but that just that really struck me for some reason. I'm yeah. so, like, I'm gonna look this up. That's so crazy. You should you definitely should. But it's basically it's a show where a, like the original one in in the UK was a celebrity there and he took his mom and made her do these crazy things it was a reality show and so this is some kind of a licensed belgian version of that so they have a really a, a, cele- a belgian celebrity and his like 72 year old mom who's never left the country <laughs> and he takes her around the world and makes her jump out of airplanes and makes her do Jesus. all these crazy things so the show hasn't even aired yet i don't even know if i'm supposed to talk about it but i nobody's told me but I can't. So, um, <laughs> but and I'm not in and I'm not in Belgium. So, yeah. All right, but, Belgium viewers, you heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but basically, so they, I was helping them put together all of the locations and all the scenarios and find find everything they needed to to shoot a Vegas episode. And somehow, when we were doing that, they must have been on my facebook or something i don't even know how but they suddenly they said hey we just saw are you making a horror movie and i said yeah i'm directing a horror movie we're we're done shooting it won't conflict with our schedule they're like no 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 we actually want to know if you could kill his mom in your movie <laughs> we'll film it an episode of the reality show she gets to be in a real american horror movie but also we get a amazing like money shot of her actually getting killed that's great which is so meta and cool so i had to quickly Synergy. i had Yes, it was. I mean, it was a crazy opportunity. So I had to, you know, a couple days to add, make up a scene where I can add an old lady that didn't speak English into the movie and kill her and put it all together. And it had to be on like, hey, it's on Thursday from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Like oh, we, wow. they already had a shooting schedule. So it had to fit into that block. And so I, you know, quickly wrote wrote that scene and got a couple props picked up that creepy doll at the thrift store (laughs) and just kind of made that up 
as I went along. And then it ended up being a great, I mean, in my opinion, I think it's a, a, a great scene. Especially... Hey, she chewed the scenery, man. She was great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can so... see her frustration. I mean, I couldn't understand a word she was saying, but she looked pissed. <laughs> yeah. And she might've been, <laughs> I wouldn't know. I don't know. Right. I'm still dying to see the T uh, supposedly the TV show's going to air in April in Belgium. They mm -hmm. just, I just spoke with them recently. They needed some more footage. They actually ended up putting some scenes from the movie in now that it got delayed. So, cause it's supposed to air two years ago, like oh, before wow. we even released the movie. But so I'm dying to see what, cause they did a whole thing where she, they surprised her and, you know, like we're, what they walked, she walked into the house and then suddenly there was cameras everywhere and, oh, wow. and a severed head on the table and she was going to be in a movie and we were putting tube, taping tubes to her head and uh, she had no idea what was going on. Probably. So, so yeah, that's the story of Dora. Awesome. I, awesome. I, I did like that. All right. Um, speaking of just stories from this, like what else? I'd love to hear like some, I always like to hear some like behind the scenes stories of the actual filming process. Like did, Anything you know, funny or crazy or un, you know, just un, unintentional, unexpected. Yeah, unexpected. Yeah. Thank you. That's just a stuff you know that happens during the filmmaking process. What some of the things that stick out in your mind that that happen along the way? Well, I mean, luckily we didn't have anything major happen, thank God. But and then we had all the usual things like scheduling conflicts and uh, you know my DP moving from Vegas to Orlando while we were shooting. My, my lead moving from Vegas to LA while we were shooting. Wow. Um, we had a crystal, the blonde in the pink bikini got a, a boob job while we were shooting. <laughs> that, that was one of the more interesting ones. Uh, fortunately it was towards the beginning and, and she had mentioned even in her audition, she said, Oh, well, if you're shooting at that time, I'm, I'm having surgery. I'm having cosmetic surgery. And I thought, Oh, okay. But she probably has like a deviated septum or something i don't know <laughs> she looks great to me i don't know what she maybe a mole removed and so i didn't think anything of it until the day we were on set shooting them i believe it was coming into the to the house she said hey just so you know tomorrow's the day i get my boob job and i said what <laughs> uh, where what huh and so so i think i've never even been able to really find it i don't know if if when finally through the edit that we were able to hide it but I, there has to be at least one shot in there before the boob job of Crystal somewhere. And I've been waiting for somebody to point it out. Well, hey, but, I'm, I'm looking. Yeah, I'm we'll, always, we'll, have, we'll go yeah. look at, we'll go stare at some boobs and try to look at that. Yeah. Look that up for well, there, we didn't, we didn't some, find it, yeah. There's some compliments on her new boobs, so she'll be extremely happy <laughs> to, hear, to hear those, too. I, I, I know I complimented on them yes, at one did. point during yeah. the show. Yeah, the doctor did a great job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that was probably one of the... But it, probably one of the most dramatic, or at least comical. I mean, we had we were supposed to shoot the movie in the summer, which would make sense. It's called Pool Party Massacre. Sure. But unfortunately, once the budget jumped from eleven dollars to <laughs> what it ended up being, uh, we I started taking things a little more seriously. I started getting props, re, you know, rewriting the script a little bit, and and we and put more effort into casting instead of having my wife wear wigs and play every role. We actually started doing the casting, so it got delayed enough that we didn't start shooting till the till Black Friday. We started shooting the day after Thanksgiving oh, wow. in 2000, 2015, which is cold. I mean, we're now in that time. We're in winter here in Vegas now, and it was thirty degrees this morning when I when I walked out to my car. So there are plenty of those those scenes that you're seeing in the backyard where they're sitting on that sofa, not yeah. getting in the water. It's because it was thirty three degrees and the water was about. 38 degrees 40 degrees 
So there was no way. So Clay was jumping in there in freezing water. So that like awkward flip that he does was into <laughs> like 39 degree water. And you can almost hear like the air get sucked out of him when he comes up <laughs> the first time because it was so cold. And but he was willing to do it. He's a good friend of mine and he said, you know, I don't you know, I'll do it. I'll do anything. He's the kind of person to do anything for a laugh. So so he he was down. But no one else could. And then we luckily shooting ran longer than we thought. So we started in November. We actually finished principal photography in June which we didn't expect to go that long. So it, yeah. it gave us the opportunity to, to shoot him swimming up. So when he jumps in the water, it's 38 degrees. But then when he swims up and twirls his bottoms, it's like 100 degrees outside in the <laughs> pool. Nice and warm. And they were six months apart. Oh, wow. But, yeah, that's right, because yeah. Nancy eventually gets into the pool, too, at yeah. the end. She yeah, got in. And, that, and that was in June. Like, it was the last one of the last shooting days. Finally, I was like, all right, is it finally warm enough for you to go in the water? Please say yes. <laughs> now, this so, might seem like a silly thing, but if it's that cold and you're, and you know, and they're sitting out, did you have any issues with, or have to, like, I guess, Photoshop out, like, the breath, like, cold breath of, of people exhaling in that you, cold of a you, weather? You know, we never really did. And maybe that's something to do with the dry climate here or something, but it, that was never, never an issue. Okay. And, and usually we had to wait for the sun to get high enough anyway. So, so at least it would warm up. I mean, some of those mornings it was probably thirty degrees. Was, I mean, there was a day it was supposed to snow. It's in wow. the on the blue in the like making of. There's a line where I'm just fi- filming myself because it's raining, and I'm like, well, I guess we have to stop shooting. It's raining and it's supposed to snow any minute. <laughs> and it was genuinely the forecast was like, we're going to Vegas is going to get the first snow of the year today. I'm like, cool, we're supposed to be shooting <laughs> a pool, pool party. party. <laughs> so, so I mean that caused i mean a lot of it was made made it a comedy of errors as people would arrive and would check the therm you know the thermos thermometer and and we had a, a giant heater like patio heaters all over out of frame air, piles of blankets and snuggies the second snuggies. i would yell cut yeah the second i would yell cut it was like snuggies on everyone <laughs> turn the heater back on let's repo the camera and then all right heater off snuggies out like <laughs> <laughs> think warm thoughts we're going again <laughs> so um talking about like the budget stuff i'm assuming since you didn't film most of the that that house turned out not to be yours so do you go through like a is there like an agency you find to rent these these uh places out for filming or where how do you go about finding that location yeah great house so, oh thank yeah the house is amazing um it's normally you would like well, I use the Nevada Film Office. They have a great location directory, and they're a tremendous amount of help. So um, they have great resources. Tons of houses in Vegas for filming. That particular house was super easy for me to find because it's my parents' house. Oh, so, <laughs> yes. So I just called them and said, "Hey, I'm gonna make a movie. Can I please shoot it here?" And they said, "I think so." And I said, "Okay, good," because Brian will be here in 15 minutes for a location. <laughs> <laughs> so. So and I've shot in their house so many times for commercials and short films and mm-hmm. 48-hour film festival and I mean I, they have a great house and so and and it's way better than my house <laughs> <laughs> so so I I've used it a lot so and and I actually wrote the script with that in mind knowing I I had eleven dollars at yeah. the time <laughs> and so I wrote it I wrote the entire thing with that house in mind so I mean I knew the shots i right. knew this so i mean 
Did you have a backup plan, though? If they would have said no. No, (laughs) then I I would have shot it every time they went out of town. (laughs) (laughs) I would have just done that. (laughs) She's getting groceries, guys. Let's go. Let's go. go. We got 10 minutes. She'll be back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. So, I mean, it's a family affair, really. I mean, your wife's in it, too. You get to kill your wife. Which is uh, yeah. pretty funny. I do like the. I mean, it's it's a little tongue in cheek saying, "Oh, Drew, what a he's always collecting toys." And I see this great collection you have behind you. So does she not like the toy collection? You know, it's funny. She doesn't mind it at all. Actually, like she. I mean, she doesn't get it. She has no interest in toys. She has a couple in her desk at, at work because I buy them for her occasionally. But um, but it isn't really like a dig necessarily. It was just a kind of a, like you were saying, a little inside joke yeah. for the people that do know us. And I just, I live in like a self deprecating world. So it just was instinct for me to write insults for myself. But then I did throw in the little, uh, the dick pick at the end. That, Which to, Aaron, to yes. Kill myself. If, yeah. if, because if that's, if that's all you, man, yeah. Bravo. No, I, I wish. <laughs> I wish it was. And I actually have no idea. I have no clue who it is. And whoever it is, hopefully they don't watch the movie and see some way they can identify themselves <laughs> to me. Because that was just taken from Google. So when, when we, the whole cast, we were all sitting on the couch one day because it was raining. And I mentioned that I needed a, a really, a really impressive dick pic for this one insert shot and then suddenly it became this game where every person <laughs> on cast was how about this one? Oh no no not that how about this one no this one and then finally we who found the and, who, who found the winning one <laughs> oh i think it actually might have been me uh, all right <laughs> <laughs> but I, there were so many options floating around <laughs> i'm almost positive it, it, it was me and it was hilarious because I, I initially, I wrote, I just typed into Google dick pic and that was it and hit search. And the entire first page was just photos of Dick Cheney, like <laughs> not, not a single like phallic image That's at all. So thought, weird. That is incredibly weird. <laughs> I could type in Dick Cheney and probably get dick pics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I type in dick pic and I, I don't get a single dick pic. Like yes. I don't. I don't understand. Like, girls can't even turn their phones on without getting a dick pic. Yeah. (laughs) So, but that, so yeah, that was fun. And you mentioned it being a family affair, and it 100% was. I mean, not only was my wife in it, and we shot at my parents' house and my house, but all, and my dog, Darla, is the dog. Um, But (laughs) my, my son, like, it's my actual family photo, like the family photo. I just photoshopped the Blair and Blaine's parents' heads over my actual parents heads in that photo that actually hangs in my parents house and <laughs> and then my but even to the point where my son had to double like in the in the opening shot when you i think as you guys were talking about the blood how, how like one minute it's so watery and then in the next shot in the hand it's like jelly yeah come off of her hand so that that shot it was it was freezing cold and the blood kept freezing so we had to oh. keep adding hot water to the canister and by the time we got the shot we wanted we had added so much boil like hot water to unfreeze the blood that it was watery as all hell but <laughs> but it was but it actually flowed and we and we didn't we only had one kind of real shot at it so right. so we still use it and i figured people you know would be more forgiving because it was running down leanna vamp's chest so 
figured that. Yeah, I mean that's a little makes it a little better. To, to <laughs> yeah, deal with. exactly. Yeah. So, but then and then fast forward, the shot of the blood on the hand is not even Leanna Vamp. We didn't have time to shoot that, so that's actually a combination of it's my wife's hand when it's a close up, and the blood again was freezing. Yeah. And, but I kind of liked the way that it was dripping, yeah, so I yeah. left. So I left. And then when we jumped to the wide, and it's. And you and the killer's walking out of the gate, and you just see the hand that's actually my son's hand, <laughs> like hanging there. <laughs> so, so it one hundred percent was. I mean, there's days, there's photos where you can see both my kids on set constantly, and they would always beg to be able to spray the blood sprayer whenever there was any kind of. So I would let them take turns. So there's shots where there's blood flowing, and it's was my five year old daughter was like. <laughs> I, I don't, Dad, I can't pump it five times. I'm like, oh, oh here, there you go. Then, I, spray the blood. Okay, so that's, that's awesome. I like that. Yeah, it was it was cool. It, you know, and it's what I it's what I do. So it's normal to them. I yeah. mean, they understand. They understand. Like they weren't there when there was nudity. They weren't there when certain things were happening. Of course, I, I mean, I don't even let them watch horror movies. Like I'm, I'm probably I'm a much stricter parent than people would think when they looked at me. But at the same time, they see the humor in it and they know that it's not real. And I think that that's, there's an advantage to that in a way that they that they know these things that they see on in movies and TV aren't right. real. And they look at it and say, oh, I know how that works. Unfortunately, they're watching like giant movies. Yeah. And they're watching <laughs> the new Jumanji and they're like, I know how that works. The director <laughs> went to Lowe's and bought a garden sprayer. <laughs> and I'm like, well, no, not exactly. <laughs> I but yeah, so there's definitely a family affair. Did your parents forgive you for drilling a hole in their bathroom wall? <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that was funny because they were out of town when I shot that. So they had no idea until they watched the movie. But And that was their question. My, my dad went to the wall to see if he could tell where the hole was. But I actually built a stunt wall. I bought yeah, drywall, okay. painted it, built a stunt wall. So, so I didn't actually drill a hole in their wall. I did cover the inside of that bathroom with blood though as the drill was going through clay and it what it for whatever reason that batch of blood because we had various batches from various different people and favors from different mm-hmm. effects artists and one i had left over from halloween's past so i don't know which they all got mixed together but the blood that was in that bathroom for some reason would not come off the wall <laughs> it I mean, it would physically wipe off, but you could see yeah. the stain. So I repainted the entire bathroom before Whoa. my parents. Went home. And right, now it's now it's coming through again. Oh, <laughs> I, was, I was just at their house a week ago. This, you know, almost two years later, and it's seeping like somehow seeping through the paint. You can it, see it's like a real haunted house that wall. The yeah. walls bleed. <laughs> <laughs> the walls, the walls are bleeding. So and they and they're very forgiving of of all of of all those things though they. I mean, I don't know, I'm their only son, so maybe that helps. But, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, they're they're really forgiving, and you know, they were they were happy to help. But I could, there were things that upset them, I and mean, we took over the house for six months. Yeah, and they still they still find little things, little like also in the bedroom when uh, Alexis' character gets the axe, there is one big splash of blood that hits the nightstand where her bikini is. I that was a we didn't have much time to do that. It was a quick, like, let's grab this at the end of the day. So I didn't put plastic underneath it and I didn't realize how much went behind it. And I, a year later, my dad pulled the nightstand out to like move to find something. 
and it was just a solid dry blood all down the wall <laughs> I pooled on, on the molding on the baseboard so i did i did get a phone call but he, <laughs> he was okay i came over i cleaned as much as i could and put the net i said dad no one's ever gonna move the nightstand you're fine <laughs> come on dad let me do yeah <laughs> um just a personal question for me do you still have the uh, severed head of alexis oh yes so there there's two there were two versions of the heads and they're actually my wife's head because when we did the full body cast of alexis we started to do the head and she is claustrophobic and had like a full genuine full-blown like panic attack before it could even come close to setting so we had to rip it all off she was in tears and hysterical for about 30 minutes and then she calmed down enough that she wanted to try again. And I said, no, there's no way. If <laughs> you start shooting the movie, I'm not going to piss you off. Like, but uh, one of them, I think, is right there. Yeah, there it is. Oh, there it is. I didn't, okay. I didn't see it. Awesome. <laughs> it's got the ball gag and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Here. I see it still has the ball gag. Yeah. There so it is. <laughs> so there were two... Because we were the way that we were shooting the movie, I needed one for a couple of the shots, and then I was able to get another one for close-ups done later. So the hair is totally different in in both of them too. Like this was the impromptu wig that does not match her hair at all, <laughs> not, not not even close. But <laughs> but I needed but I needed it for the swinging of the headshot. Right. Yeah, is that the one that Nancy actually swings? Yeah, so this is the actual one. There's like a hole. There's a hole drilled in the bottom. I don't know if you guys could see yeah. it, but yeah, we see it. And there was a nice a piece of rope that ran through so that the wig wouldn't come off and it had actually hit someone in the head. So, so yeah, this is the actual one that she swings. And I bring this with me to festivals and conventions and stuff. Awesome. And another, that, another thing I loved in the movie is the head. Get, that was a fun get, scene. Yeah, get, you don't really see people getting hit in the head with a severed head very often. You don't. Yeah. I, I, I did love that too, and I love that battle cry she let out. <laughs> yeah, and that was all her. I mean, I just told, I just kind of instructed her to give me a a battle cry, and that's what that's what came out. But that that scene that was one of the first scenes that I wrote that I was really happy with with the swinging of the head. Like I knew I had to I had to have in the script. That's a much longer scene. It's not just a swing of an axe and a hit. It was actually originally written as almost a comedically ridiculously long fight scene okay. where there was broke everything in my, in my bedroom. I was, <laughs> I was, really, was going to break my TV, my like 54 inch TV. I'm like, it's for the movie. Like, so, <laughs> so you know, the head, the severed head has to go through that TV and we have to get a shot of it in the TV <laughs> and, and all this stuff. And then fortunately for me or for my wife, we didn't have time to do any of that. <laughs> so, so the only thing that got trashed was the floor and our bed. There is the shot where Blair swings the axe and it sticks in the bed. Yeah. That was a that so that whole in the schedule I scheduled the most amount of time for that everything in that bedroom because it was going to be the fight scene and I was going to I had a fight choreographer that was going to help come over and and choreograph that and that dialogue was so important. It's the reveal of the killer. So I scheduled the most time for that. And so Blair came in from LA, or Kristen came in from LA who plays Blair, and I think we had five days just to shoot all that. We got there. We took our time the first day shooting some stuff, and then at the end of that day, her work called and said that she had to be back at work tomorrow in L.A. or she was fired. So so she had to leave, so we lost the whole next day, and then we were able to convince her boss to let her have one more day off 
So instead of five days, I had one. She flew in, arrived in Vegas at 10 a.m., and had to be back on a plane at like 8 p.m. or whatever that night. Wow. And so we shot all five days worth in that Jesus. tiny window. <laughs> and which is funny to me, like, because it does, it seems to be unanimously people's favorite part of the movie. And, and it really works really well. Uh, we suffered because we had to cut some things out, but it still fortunately just worked. I mean, luckily, it's a lot of my dialogue, and I kind of had the script me- I memorized right. to a point, but I also just improved because I knew what the character was, you know, what was going, what he was going for, and and it worked. But it was it's funny to think that that was all a day. So we, I quickly, as we were running through shots, I forgot I was going to have a whole rig and how that fake axe would be cut around the footboard of my bed because mm-hmm. I had a bunch of pop axes. Well, I didn't have time to rig any of that because it was <laughs> supposed to be four days later. So I just took a like, sawzall and cut a notch into my bed. And as I was cutting the notch into my bed, <laughs> someone behind me on the crew was like, hey, is my wife's name is Jen. She's like, is Jen going to be okay with this? <laughs> no, of course not. This bed was expensive. <laughs> but luckily for me, she doesn't get home for like three more hours, so she'll never know. And it was like a total scene from a movie because then it was an uncomfortable silence and I stopped. And I'm like, she's standing behind me, isn't she? And she was standing right behind me. The whole time. <laughs> hey, hey, honey, you decided to come home for lunch. That's so great. Um, I'll fix this. <laughs> That's perfect. So, that is and it's awesome. Still there. I love it. It's, I've not fixed it. It's still, there's still a not perfect. That perfectly fits our axe in our, but I did finally replace the carpet. Okay, a month a month ago now I think it's been <laughs> like literally my wife lived with that carpet that is complete was completely cut co- was white carpet completely oh, covered in. Fake I should, I'll, yeah. I'll send you a photo when we finish this just so, I'd so love you to can see, see that. it. Yeah, that'd be Post awesome. It. And, it, and then just imagine like my wife, the accountant like living in this bedroom for a year and four months or whatever it was, just stepping over these crusty blood put like and giving me this dirty looks like, wait, you're, when are you replacing this? Then I would find new things to shoot. I'd be like, well, we'll get the, yeah, 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 of course. I promised you wood floors, but I got the short film idea. And while there's blood, I might as well shoot it. Right. And so perfect. Yeah. Love it. Finally. But hey, the, the, you know, you literally have a notch on your bed now. Like, it's always going to be that's that's a memory. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's a memory. <laughs> a literal you, notch. Yeah. Yes. You, you can't you can't put a price tag on memories like that. No. <laughs> yeah, and now that you say it like that, I feel like I need to make another one for part two. There yeah. you go. There you go. You got to keep. You know, it's it's become tradition now. Yeah. So exactly. Put another notch on the bed for part two. Speaking of part two, um, sounds like Blaine's going to be back. Um, I'm curious. We we had the pegboard. Um, you know, with all the tools and different tools that he could choose and use to kill his victims with. And I like that. I thought that was kind of cool because so many of your classic killers, I mean, look for a perfect example, your shirt, hatchet, uh, but then also Michael Myers, the kitchen knife or the butcher knife, uh, pretty obviously the glove. I Jason, hope you're not going with this Shetty. question where I think you might be going. Well, my, I, no, no, I wasn't if you're talking about the level. I'm not going to talk about that, okay. but, um, <laughs> are we going to see, are we going to see different weapons, perhaps a different variety? Um, or is is you know he gonna go with one tried and true one of his favorites? I'm just kind of yeah, curious. I, or I feel I mean, even in my initial thoughts when I made it, I didn't even plan on making a sequel at all. I ended it 
open-ended just because it's my homage to 80s slasher, so it had to sure, be. Sure, sure. I felt like if I did, if I if there was a closed ending, I feel like people would shun me. So, but I didn't really expect anyone to watch it, so I didn't expect to make a second one. But now, now that I do plan plan on making it, I I feel like that's kind of his thing. Yeah. So I definitely want to keep keep that going with a variety of weapons. Although I think it would be too much for him to keep going back to the pegboard. Yeah. Un- unfortunately, because the level is there, and I have another <laughs> I, I have another friend who every time I see him brings up the level and <laughs> that, also my, that's actually legitimately one of my next questions was if you could please figure out a way to kill, kill somebody, somebody with, the with the level, level. in a future but movie I think I, I think I, it has to happen it All has right. to happen awesome. I don't, I'm not exactly sure how yet but you know I'll go ahead and give you guys this is the exclusive it will someone will get killed with a level yes part yes! two yes <laughs> <laughs> oh that's that's official great. official That's... press releases will go out tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then in part two, are you planning on bringing the Nancy character back? Is she going to be like the Laurie Strode of, of Pool Party Massacre? You know, there were, like, I had entertained that idea when I first started kind of outlining it. But a couple factors. One, the big, I just the biggest factor, it didn't matter what, is that she doesn't really want to be involved with the movie <laughs> or associated with it at all anymore. She has since gotten married and just uh, gave birth to her first child a couple months, a month ago, maybe like very recently, a couple months ago. And so she's now distanced herself. Uh, I, she didn't even want to sign things. Last time I asked her if, if I could come to her house and get her to sign stuff, it, it was she very politely said that she was busy with the baby but i could just sense that maybe she's thinking <laughs> that she wants to distance herself from it so so i don't think that's going to happen mm. at all and i and i think it it might be for the better i'm in my my mindset for a sequel is going more in the direction of like a slumber party massacre too where it just is batshit crazy mm. yeah and I mean, I want it to make slightly more sense. I haven't written a dance number into it or anything like that. (laughs) But I'd like the idea of it just not having to worry too much about what happened in the past and, you know, keep a, and if, and if there is a shift in tone, it, it's going to go a little wackier than a little more serious. Okay, well, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm you know pretty excited to hear that it's uh, yeah. It's I'm in the so, works. I'm totally pumped. And if by any chance you want to write in some roles for you know where you want to kill off two uh, cheesy horror movie podcast guys that rip on bad movies, we would happily let you kill us off. Hey, I might be able to make that work. I I, I plan for the body count to be extremely high in this one, as opposed. I mean, I guess it was still. I think like it's a now. I forgot. It's been so long since I've had to speak after the movie, but um, I was like eleven. 11 deaths or something like that so but which is i guess is a fair amount it's a good body count yeah i I want it to be like three times that amount in the sequel (laughs) so so yeah so yeah we'll have to i'll I'll definitely i'll I'll write you guys in somewhere (laughs) yes yeah but but you'll have to fly to vegas i'm okay with that i'm okay with going to vegas (laughs) i don't i'm not sure I'm not sure that the budget will be any higher for the sequel <laughs> for the first one, so I, I don't think there is a line item for for flights. And so, that's and, okay. I'm still okay with flying to Vegas. <laughs> yeah, at least I'm in Vegas. I mean, yeah. That, yeah. it's not too hard to get people to come to Vegas for a weekend, and they can even bring like their significant others and be like, "Hey, 
I planned a trip to Vegas. And then when you land, be like, oh, by the way, tomorrow <laughs> I, I'll be busy <laughs> for the day. Have fun at the pool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so let's see what I was saying. Uh, before I move into some of my final questions here, that the, the traditional ones that we kind of always ask our, our guests before we wrap up. Um, do you have any tips or advice for other people who like are looking to get into the independent, like who want to make their own movies? Like, what have you learned? Or what's the one piece of advice you would give somebody looking to make their first film? I mean, the biggest piece of advice is also the most common piece of advice, but I really think it's the, it's most important is just to go out and do it. I mean, I work, I work with all these really talented people on set all the time in the commercial side. And these, like I said, these are genuinely really, really talented people. They all got into the film industry because they went to film school because they wanted to make movies, not because they wanted to light corporate events and like pharmaceutical commercials. Like they got into the business because they wanted to make movies, but now they're stuck in a rut and they're, most of them are afraid to do it because they, if they do it, they want it to be good. They're so worried about it being good and getting into festivals and winning awards and being in their calling card that, that they've just never done it. They've pushed, they all have scripts that they've written in film school that they wish they could make, but they're afraid to actually put them out there. And so to me, that was kind of my like motivation was these other people. And finally, I, I'm the le- least talented out of any of these people. I mean, especially on a set, because I'm a producer. I mean, I man, I'm a a manager of sorts, yeah. you know, as what a producer is like, I'm not bad at necessarily at doing that, but you have, I can't shoot. I'm not going to shoot and edit and light my movie. It's mm. going to look horrible. These, so many of my friends can do all of those things. Like I, I work, there's a guy here in town. His name is Brandon Christensen. He uh, just directed a movie called stillborn. I don't know if you guys have heard of it yet. Yeah, it's about, yeah, yeah. and, and he also worked on, uh, it stains the sands red with me. But, I have heard, I do know. I have actually seen, Heard of that one? That's actually in my queue. I have I have that one lined up. That one I have heard of. It's a good, it's a good it's a great zombie flick, and you'll see a, a, a cameo by Zombie Drew in there too. Awesome. So, <laughs> so I definitely I definitely recommend it. But anyways, like like for instance, my friend Brandon, you will see Stillborn. It's coming. It hasn't even been released theatrically yet. It's coming up, but it's gonna it's already getting a lot of buzz. And so people like him, this is his first. It's his first low budget movie, and it's this amazing like supernatural beautiful movie and so there's people like him that can do everything he can shoot it edit light it do record the sound like literally every aspect of it and it took him this long to finally go out do it for a probably similar reason so i was like you know what i'm like a third talented as all of you but i'm just gonna go do it because it doesn't matter you know if it sucks it sucks i'll learn from it and the next one will be better or if it sucks really bad, I just won't show anyone. And I'll, <laughs> and I'll still will have learned things, and then I'll keep lying and saying it's my first movie until I get one that's good enough. But at least I'm going out and doing it. So yeah. that was kind of what motivated me. And, and, and it worked. And I, don't, I think no matter how good your movie is, people are going to hate People are going to hate it. Yeah. People are going to wish that you were dead. Like It's such a, a comical review. But, I mean, people act, like, really do say that. Jeez. People really do. This movie was so bad. I would, whoever made it should be dead. Like I read that about other people. I haven't heard it yet about me, but I'm sure someone has said it. I've, we've had. No, some I agree. Skin- I, I can't. When we like I said, if you're actually familiar with our show, and you listen. But when I do, when we go into like the five star reviews and all that, and I look up five star and one star. I have seen plenty of one star reviews that say 
the people who make this should be dead. They should never make another movie again. What were they? <laughs> it's it's all the time. Yeah. It's just people love being dicks and trolls on the internet. You know, keyboard warriors. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's that's like creating a hurdle for some talented people who are afraid to go make their first short film or their first feature film, especially that because they're afraid of what people will say and they don't they don't want to have to deal with that or start off on that foot. Fortunately for me, I have no shame either. So <laughs> it's like hell. I'm gonna make a. It also helps. I make. I made a six thousand dollars slash film. I didn't make a six thousand dollar civil war drama. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> People are forgiving in the horror world and stuff, but yeah, that'd be my advice. Just start making, start making things, and because the more you make, the better you'll get. Cool. Um, all right, nextly, or ne- is that even a word? Nextly, uh, <laughs> what are some? You mentioned at the very top of this interview, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two was one of the first. But what are some of your other favorite good horror movies? The ones that you know your go tos, what that you personally love? Well, good. That's. Fun. I see. I don't know if any of them are good. I, well, it depends on whose standards they are. Um, but I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two is definitely one of my favorites. Uh, Return of the Living Dead is probably the movie I watch the most, or that I would yeah. reference the most as being being my favorite movie. Like, it's just a great the combination of skilled filmmaking and effects and humor. Right. It just worked so well for me that, and so that would definitely be one of them. But I watch. I mean, I, I, I watch everything. I'm not a big fan of mean-spirited movies. I mean, that's just not... I don't necessarily want to just watch, like, someone rape, brutally rape right. and murder mm-hmm. innocent women for an hour and a half. Like, that's Like, oh, I spit not... in your grave type movies? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like those, it's just not my... It's just not my thing. Like, I, And some of them are good. There's probably movies that are, would make my list of favorite movies that are just such good movies that I can look past those things. But so, I mean, everything, all of my favorite movies are going to be campy. Yeah. Like, and, well, that then leads me to my next question. It's basically, what are some of your favorite, what would bad horror movies? You know, you know, something that, I mean, that's our show. Our I mean, show that's is what we do. Horrible yeah, yeah. horror. I mean, movies so bad, they're good. Some, I mean, that's our ranking system, you know? So <laughs> what are some so yeah. bad, they're good. Um, well, I mean, like I said, these are movies that I love. Yeah. So, but, so it's the same way that you would say, you know, that you would feel about some of these movies. But I mean, uh, there's a movie called Shock'em Dead. That's okay. a, it's, a, it's an 80s, like, heavy metal horror, um, directed, written, directed by this guy, Mark Freed. And that was one of my favorite movies. Still is, but, but especially when I was in high school, it's just ridiculous. I, I you guys should definitely watch it. it actually has a Blu-ray release now, finally. Nice. But, uh. It's like a, a dorky kid sells his soul to the devil so that he could shred on the guitar. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> not knowing that he would have to like feed on the souls of people to survive once he sold his soul. So it, it's just it's hilarious mm-hmm. and especially because of the period it's in, it's big hair and like guitar solos yeah. and uh, Tracy Lords. Tracy Lords oh, is nice. in it. Okay. So, so that one stands out for sure. For me, but then also for modern films, um, there I think there's a perfect example. There is a direct a Canadian director named Richard Mogg. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. Mm. Um, he's yet to really break into the mainstream, um, but he's made a, a handful of films, and I think his average budget is about a hundred and fifty dollars. Jesus, <laughs> yeah, and so he and he's able to make some of these movies in a weekend. Like genuinely, he made a movie called uh, Massage Parlor of Death, <laughs> and it was all just shot in his apartment 
over with a couple maybe 150 bucks and same with another movie called teenage slumber party nightmare and that was one like literally they started friday and i think they wrapped sunday like shot the whole feature (laughs) and so those movies as you can imagine no matter who you are if you have 150 dollars and 48 hours to shoot a feature it's never gonna you know meet the standards of the mainstream audience ever but he is a huge and he is really talented like he is a film school grad he's Mm -hmm. knows what he's doing and but also sees the joy and the humor in this and he's a big fan of like shot on video films from the late 80s and 90s so he keeps it in that in that vein and he makes these movies that you know some people would watch five minutes of and turn in just turn off and dismiss it as a joke or a mistake and i am just fascinated by them like i've watched i made everyone on pool party the entire (laughs) cast i have photos of the whole cast sitting in at my parents house well i forced them to watch teenage slumber party nightmare (laughs) and the parlor of death and then i would just often have them on just in the in the background and i think i almost scared some of the girls away because i told them this was my my filmmaking hero and i put the movie (laughs) on (laughs) and they thought oh my god this is what he aspires this is what he aspires to but uh but by the end they all became fans that's cool yeah i'll definitely look him up uh it sounds awesome um now we've talked about a little bit about uh, Pool Party Massacre two, and that you're definitely planning on making that up. But um, what other kind of is that your very next project, or is there something you work on before that that you want to anything you want to yeah, plug, plug, plug away, or oh, you know, um, I don't have anything to plug that someone could necessarily go see right now, um, but that people could anticipate uh, that other than Pool Party Massacre two. Um, I do have an anthology that I'm putting together with a bunch of local Vegas filmmakers. So I'm kind of in the process of getting all that put together. It's a Christmas horror anthology, so cool. I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to get that out um, by Christmas. That's that's the goal. But uh, I've got a you know a lot of other filmmakers involved that that I've brought into it. So I'm hoping that that everyone that we can all get it done. So I'm super excited about that. Like I had a meeting about that today, and Is I that read. Something you're producing, or are you going to be directing something to that as well? Uh, I'm, I'm pre- kind of producing the whole thing. It was my concept, and I'm kind of bringing everyone in. But as far as individual segments, I'm letting everyone do. They're all local horror filmmakers, so I trust them and let them do whatever they want. I love the. I love when an anthology is a little bit across, can be across the board yeah. when it when it can be. This is the kind where it doesn't have a a, a through line. It it can be more like an ABC's of death in that yeah. sense. But all but all Christmas. And um, my intention was to write and direct one of the segments myself. But then my wife asked me last night while we were sitting on the couch if she could write and direct one. Oh, cool. And I, which she's never expressed any interest in doing anything of the sort before. And I am fascinated with the idea. And I also just love my wife tremendously. And I've put her through so much. So that my, my immediate answer was, fuck, yeah, of course you can. Awesome. So... But I if say she you does, her a Christmas present now too. And I say that's your yeah, Christmas present, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or or it'll be like the first like item cited in our divorce. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah. So if she if she's really genuinely wants to, then that's then she'll get my spot because I don't. I already have all the other filmmakers in mind, so I don't want to take someone else away so that the both of us can have one. So so we'll have to see, or maybe she'll let me collaborate with her. I don't know. 
So well, that's really cool. I'm excited about this. That, yeah, I'll be but, look, definitely looking forward to whenever that yeah, comes I'm, out. I'm excited. I'm ex- really excited about that. And then I have a couple other scripts that I'm hope like that I one of them I wanted to shoot last year and it never happened. So maybe if I can get it done this year. And then I'm I'm meeting Lloyd Kaufman from Tromas in Vegas oh, yeah, this right week. On. And so I'm hosting the premiere of Newcomb High Volume Two, the Vegas premiere Friday night, and moderating the Q and A with Lloyd. So I I keep using these times when I hang out with Lloyd to uh, badger him and remind him that my, one of my bucket list goals is to make a trauma movie. So oh, that's so I'm, awesome! I'm hoping to write a script that I can give to Lloyd and get his blessing and actually make a, a trauma movie sometime in the next year or so. Very cool. Very cool. Now I know Benosi uh, is. Would these happen to be on your left there? Would those happen to be the special VHS copies of the uh, Pool Party Massacre? These, yes. <laughs> Booyah. <laughs> oh, you got the clamshell. Yeah, yes. that's Oops. awesome. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Limited edition. Well, we've done a bunch of <laughs> bunch of editions now. This was our pee in the pool yellow edition. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've done... I, I had to have VHS in the clamshell just because for nostalgic reasons. And so I could have one on my shelf was really yeah. the the reason. And the art just lends itself to it. It's, sure, yeah. So I I got the original batch of, I think it was 20 made on mm-hmm. just black cassettes in the clamshell. And I thought to myself, okay, I get to keep one. I'll send one to Brian. And then I'll sell a couple online and I'll give some to some friends. And I don't know, I'll probably have 10 for the rest of my life. But it's worth it, so yeah. I could have one. And then they sold out in minutes. Wow! Yeah, I know. When I, I checked out the website. And they, yeah, they said they were you were sold out of the VHS yeah. ones. And it's been continuous. So that was the first batch of whatever it was, twenty one, I think, or twenty. And then, so I wanted to make more, but I called them limited edition, and I think I even said there's only twenty of them. So I'm like, crap, I can't make more black ones because I already announced there's only. Right. So I'm like, I guess I have to find another color. So I talked <laughs> to my guy. Elijah at Magnetic Magic Rentals, who does all the dubbing and packaging and stuff for me. And he's like, oh, well, I have some white ones. I'm like, oh, rad. We'll do it. Yeah. Let's do an edition on white. So he did another edition on white that was about the same number, sold out in minutes wow. again. And I had conventions coming up that I then I couldn't even have them at because I thought that I would once again sell one or two. And sure. So now, so now it's been an ongoing thing. We've, we're on like the seventh. So there's a black edition, a white edition. We did the pee in the pool yellow, which is our biggest. It's like 50 of those. And they <laughs> sold out in an hour. Um, there's a really limited purple one. There was only five of. Oh, there's like a teal, teal green that was special for this VHS swap in L.A. Um, and now we're about to release. Um, I'm good. Probably and I'll probably announce it tomorrow on on February 1st. We're announcing a, a red, a blood red cassette for Valentine's Day. Oh, cool. So those will, and there's about I think twenty twenty something of those too. Very cool. And hopefully, I mean, I keep thinking no one will buy them. I keep thinking, you know, <laughs> every, everyone in the world that would possibly want a copy of this on VHS has one, but then they keep selling out. It's so hot, I keep... man. It's hot. I mean, it's like I said earlier. It's it seemed like you know I always look at my Instagram just so people who are into horror and you know who are big VHS collectors or Blu-ray collectors, just people who are way into indie horror, and it's hot. You know, it was when it came out, it was it was all over the place. Yeah, it's which I don't get. <laughs> but, but, I mean, I love it and it's amazing and I appreciate it so much. And but I yeah, I didn't expect it at all. So it's still so, so weird to me. But it's also great that people 
kind of get it. Like they yeah. get what I was trying to do. They get the the homage. They get how it's a love letter, and they're and some how some of the things are intentionally bad, but then other there's certainly things that weren't intentionally bad. But <laughs> um, they they just kind of get what I was trying to do, and it's nice to know there's that many like-minded people that are also you know out there in in the horror world. Well, so that love- if I we yeah. loved it, and thank you so much for doing it. Yeah, and yeah, I think um, we're probably going to wrap it up here, but um, please stay with us after we uh, end the interview, and we'll we'll chat a little bit more after that. But uh, for now, I think we're, for the actual interview yeah. part, we're going to wrap it up here, Moon Goons. Uh, again, thank you for listening. Thank you. And definitely, if you haven't already, please, please, you have do yourself a yeah. favor, check out Pool Party Massacre. It's so much fun to watch. It's, it's fantastic. Great. Yeah. Um, and Pool Party Massacre too. Hopefully, hey. a year or two, maybe. Look for it. That'd be awesome. Uh, again, Drew, officially, thank you again very much for taking the time to talk with us. And it was a lot of fun. This was a great pleasure for us to uh, to do that. Um, Aaron, any fine, fine closing words for yourself? No. No? <laughs> man, I'm a few good. words. A few words. Man, there a few we words. Go. No, I'm good. Thanks again, man. All right. Then, uh, no, thank you. All right, right Moogers. Remember, watch more horror movies. And for always, remember to keep it tight.